Aliens are everywhere in Star Wars. Phantom Menace, A New Hope, The Force Awakens, The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, The Book of Boba Fett. From Mos Eisley to Coruscant, we see a huge variety of aliens. But in all of the episodes of Andor, we see very few. So that got us wondering, where are the aliens in Andor? May the Force. Force. The Force. The Force. Force. The Force. The Force will be with you. Always. Welcome to Star Wars Uplink, your place for everything Star Wars gaming, the TV shows, and the movies. Each week we dive deep into two topics from the galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Sage Goodwin, and as always, I'm joined by Sydney Laurel. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing fantastic. And in this episode, we're going to be diving deep into why Andor does not have as many aliens as we've seen in past Star Wars movies, TV shows, basically pretty much everything. And we're going to be theorizing on which characters we might be able to see in Star Wars Andor Season 2. So, let's jump right in. Just you reconsider playing that message for him. Hello there, make sure to hit like and subscribe so you stay up to date on all things Star Wars Uplink. Andor has revolutionized what Star Wars is for television. We're seeing such a deep dive into many different aspects of the character development, storytelling, just the things that this show is trying to say is very impactful. Yeah, I think we're going to get a deeper, darker, or at least I hope we get a deeper, darker Star Wars from here on out. Not necessarily by everything, obviously, but hopefully this will give it like an exploration. Like people have the feel, Mm -hmm. feel free to go out and dabble. And I think Andor has given many other creatives and Disney and Lucasfilm the ability to go in different directions for Star Wars, especially with something like Star Wars Acolyte. But something I think a lot of fans are wondering about is why aren't there as many aliens in Andor as we've seen in other parts of the galaxy? I wondered that myself. Like, where, where, is, where are they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I, I I think the most clear thing is when, I I think the clearest explanation is when we see on Narkina 5, them separating people into, oh, hey, what's your homeworld? Where are you from? And then depending on what you say, if you're a human-based planet, you get sent to where they have the manufacturing uh, that we see Andor being sent to. And there were other planets that were mentioned as well that were obscure. We, We see them in video games, but I think maybe if you are an alien, you would get sorted into something that suited your your race better obviously that's there's a lot of terrible mm-hmm. implications with that mm-hmm. but i think that's probably why we don't see it in narkina that they want to have like specific tasks for the specialties of each alien race possibly that would kind of make sense i mean first of all you have language barriers mm-hmm. and yes. um even just yeah the special skills of each race Mm-hmm. I mean, it would make sense. Yeah, like the the Quarren are more specialized for uh, underwater because they are an underwater race. You could totally see them. It's the same with like uh, Admiral Akbar's race as well. Like they are they are designed for a specific biome. Mm-hmm. So maybe the Empire has a specific task that would suit them best. Well, and talking about like a water biome kind of creature race it would make more sense to not put them underneath water like that would make mm-hmm. them feel more at home whereas yeah. for humans who breathe That's air and live on land like or maybe harder just, for them to escape right exactly it just makes everyone feel a little bit more on edge more out of control mm-hmm. as a prisoner underwater yeah. in this place that there's only one place to go you know is <laughs> out up and out mm-hmm. so yeah only I, one way out it would make sense why they would divide them 
Mm-hmm. I think in that specific thing. But wh- why don't we see aliens on Ferrix? Mm. We see a few. And I-, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about this, and he was wondering the same thing. And I, I, th- I th- this is my theory, at least. This is my Star Wars theory. I think it's to show a different... I mean, the whole story of Andor is to show a different part of Star Wars. It's supposed to show a ground-level experience for fans. And I-, I think there was a lot of discussions around you can't have human emotions if it's an alien you it's hard to connect with a human or with a non-human character in star wars and i think when you look at a droid you have such a deep connection to them so i don't think that's necessarily the case if you look at something like cad bane I mean, you have a, there's a lot of fear that's struck into you from his design and he is a a non-human alien. But I I can kind of see that point, but I I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it's because they're trying to showcase a more human side of the galaxy and to say, hey, this isn't, and I think it's also like, we see tons of aliens on like Mos Eisley and Coruscant because they're these huge hub worlds. So there's a lot of that. But on these outer rim territories and, and these less maybe, I mean, Ferrix is more of like, like um, a corporate controlled planet anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a lot more of that. Yeah, we don't necessarily have aliens and the Empire is historically quite racist <laughs> when it comes to alien species with being like they don't necessarily, except for Thrawn, really allow aliens within their own order. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. I'm like, yeah, we really just don't see aliens, period, in the Empire, like mm-hmm. in their systems and whatnot. Like, we just don't see it. Yeah, that's what makes Thrawn so impactful mm-hmm. is like, he rose through the ranks in spite of all of the systems in place within the Empire to not have him rise to mm-hmm. power. <laughs> So that that's what I really like. And I there are other examples of aliens within the Empire. But I think ultimately it comes down to a decision that Tony Gilroy and the, the other the other people ended up making where they wanted to tell a more human story. There are definitely, I, there are aliens in it. I mean, we see the big dude in like episode two? Yeah. Episode one or two of, of Andor? Yep. I'm just supposed to stand here. <laughs> yeah, I, just told, I was told to just stand here. <laughs> so I think there there's definitely like people like, there are aliens like that. There's a bunch of background characters but they aren't there's very few that are non-humanoid characters Mm -hmm. but in the most recent episode episode 11 we see hey there there are two very humanoid-esque but very different characters Mm -hmm. in alien species that they end up hitching a ride with yeah so and i think the other like clear showcasing of aliens would be space florida yeah there are quite a few aliens why are there so many there is my question Hey man, aliens need a vacation as well. <laughs> I think it's 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 showcasing the difference of like Ferrix is this very like poor workers community that's run by the Empire and therefore they don't have a whole lot of diversity. And then you have Space Florida, which if you've ever been to Florida, has an amazing amount of diversity all around. And I think they're showcasing that yes, this is a vacation spot and many people are going here for many different reasons. Hmm. Even when Endor comes back to get his money. He's like, yeah, <laughs> there's an alien. Uh, there's a few aliens in the room that he's like sneaking in. Yeah, true. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that we don't that this is that these are the kind of situations that we've seen aliens in. Is this like big melting pot of 
all these different kinds of aliens. Whereas we know that there are planets that are just more of one alien race. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the, the look at Kashyyyk. Mm-hmm. Kashyyyk is like a clear example of there are Wookiees there. Right. Obviously, there are outposts with humans, and like the Empire has outposts there. But like the majority of what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? They're talking about Kashyyyk, <laughs> right? So I think it's just an interesting thought that we haven't either. We've only been seeing hubs. Mm-hmm. Or like m- mostly human, yeah. Areas. I think that's just interesting. It's an interesting choice, and mm-hmm. probably helps for the story for sure. Just to make it clear, and I think it comes down to the decision of wanting to tell a very different story within within Star Wars, mm-hmm. and to tell the story of this is like an everyday experience for someone. And it's not taking away the experience that Luke has on Tatooine where you, you have the Jawas, you have the Tusken Raiders, and then you go to Mos Eisley and you see a whole variety of characters in and races within like the cantina. So it's not taking away that experience, but it is showing a very different, also true experience within Star Wars of Ferrix is going to have like a few aliens. And the rest is going to be, you can kind of see it in Aldani too. Aldani has a very, it's like a Scottish Highlands they are a race of aliens, mm. but they're humans, right? Ultimately, yeah. So even there, like we see the f- the first experiences that we have within Andor with the storytelling are very human experiences, mm-hmm. and I think maybe within season two we'll see some more dive, like deep dives into. Okay, now that Andor has had his origin story. We're going to see him become a bigger part of the rebellion, and we're going to see him travel to more locations and meet more aliens. I think mm. it's ultimately just like, how, how can we tie this into telling Andor's story as straightforward as possible right? without as many distractions as possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it works. It'd be kind of nice to see more aliens, though. Yeah. <laughs> I like a little more distraction. Spice mm. up my life a bit. Yeah, and I think the decisions that they made for this are very clear. Okay, we're trying to tell Andor's story. We're trying to tell this very human aspect of Star Wars. Like, what does it look like for the everyday person to be within the Star Wars universe as the rebellion is being built? Mm-hmm. What are the effects that the attacks from the rebellion have on the empire? What does that effect take on with the everyday person who may be working for the empire or maybe on a planet that is empire controlled or like what does that look like? And I think that's ultimately what they're trying to do with this. Yeah. I think there could be many different reasons on it, but I do think there is a reason. They just don't randomly make a decision on Andor. Mhm. I would agree. It's just it's always a decision. Yeah. So let there's us know reason. your theories on that. And now, speaking of like what Andor season one's doing, what Andor season two could be doing, I I want to like I want to get your thoughts and have like a discussion around what season two could bring because I think with, with what Tony Gilroy has said in interviews with uh, the actors and in interviews, like all these different people are are taking the rounds to continue to promote Andor, they keep on dropping little snippets and hints around season two containing a lot of key locations from Star Wars. And that leads me to theorize if they're going to go to like iconic locations with Star Wars, if they're going to have these like, we know this location from all of the other movies. I think we could start getting some cameos. Well, what locations have been like leaked? Yavin for sure, I believe, has been confirmed. Okay. So we know for sure that Yavin is going to be here. Yavin is a jungle temple planet very much based on like Peru 
like the like the temples and the Aztec temples, mm-hmm. like that's that's the like the focus of it. I don't necessarily think we will see any key people. Actually, as I'm saying this, I think we could because the rebellion does stage all their attacks from Yavin. Oh, really? When Luke goes and they're planning the destruction of the Death Star, that is in Yavin. That's mm-hmm. on Yavin's base. Oh. So the hangers, all of that stuff, I could totally see. The hub, and then tying that into Rogue One, we start getting these similar experiences because it's in Rogue One as well. They go to Yavin and they have like the the planning sessions there. I think we may be able to see some characters. Obviously, we're not going to see Luke because that hasn't happened yet. Right. But unless they're on Tatooine somehow, that I that's a stretch though. I think we could see some key rebellion players. I could totally see Bail Organa being there because mm-hmm. he is in Rogue One yeah. and he's in Oh my gosh, could you imagine if we saw Leia there? I feel like that would also be a stretch, but it wouldn't surprise me as much. Like a little baby Leia? I would think she wouldn't be a baby. No, that's yeah, maybe not. No, maybe She'd young. young. She'd be around the same same age as yeah. like Obi-Wan. It's, like in the Obi-Wan show. Really? Yeah, I think so. Obi-Wan Kenobi takes place in 9 BBY. Andor starts off taking place in 5 BBY. Oh. Season 2 will span the four-year period leading up to Rogue One. So it would only end up being up until Obi-Wan. So she'd be a little bit older. In, At the end of it. In Andor. Yeah. So she'd be, what, four years older than we see her in Obi-Wan Kenobi. So she'd be like... Almost into her teens. Yeah, so around that side, like time period, and as we see her taking more of an interest in like the political aspects of things, I could totally see them tying into. Yeah, Bell Organa is going to bring her along on some missions with the rebellion. Yeah, unless that could lend some like suspicion, but I I could totally see maybe like young, like more towards the beginning of the season two of Andor, we could see Leia being taken to these locations because she under. Understands and she knows about the rebellion. She knows about Obi Wan Kenobi. Otherwise, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Like, she knows that the rebellion is a thing. Yeah, she's I, like the Mon Mothma of uh, the original trilogy at the beginning, yeah. before she gets tracked down and becomes part of the rebellion. Right. I would say I kind of hope she's not in it. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I'm good if she's not here. It's too heavy to have children. Mm-hmm. Especially awkward, yeah. like, tween. Yeah, we, we don't need that. <laughs> we don't need just, the awkward tweens. That's just complicating things. Yes. Um, that's just, like, that's a someone that could be there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the time period. Uh, I could totally see more. I could totally see more Saw Gerrera being in season two. Obviously, Absolutely. I think. Yeah. I think if we don't see a higher percentage of Saw Gerrera in season two, I would be very surprised. Me too. Me too. Because we're seeing him teased, and we're seeing a lot of the decisions of Episode Eleven being put into Saw Gerrera's hands, and we'll see how as as we record this. We have obviously not watched season episode 12 but i think no matter what happens in season uh, episode 12 we're going to see more of saw Gerrera in season two mm-hmm. he's the big part of of that and maybe we see flashbacks slash sideways flash sideways you know same time frame but like switching okay. characters maybe over well we may see some Jyn Erso stuff going on. Hmm. Because by the time that we see Saw Gerrera, Jyn Erso has already left. Right. So we may see some pieces of... Obviously, Andor and Jyn Erso can't meet yet, right. time frame wise. But I think we may be able to see some of her ramifications or how 
Andor's actions will affect her. Mm. Do you think we're going to see the Emperor? Ooh. Because he's I, only kind of, I think we've only heard like his voice in the background. I don't, we haven't heard him. We haven't heard him? But they have, he has been mentioned a few times. Right. Specifically in the, I think the Empire's meeting is the, the Emperor has given us full freedom to do basically whatever we want to as the Empire now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see him mentioned. I think it'd be super fascinating to see what he does. Mm-hmm. Or if we, are we going to see like Vader? Mm-hmm. Is he going to come in the scene like to like I don't know slap some uh, people around in the in the I don't know what they call themselves the higher ups of the empire that mm-hmm. little I, don't I know. think I think he's still he's the level of weight as like Leia would be. Yeah, I don't it, probably not. I don't think Tony Gilroy would let. Vader be in this show mm-hmm. because he knows the weight that Vader has. Right. Vader, well, you, you can't just like, oh yeah, we'll throw Vader in this. Right, yeah. Even though that's what they did for Obi-Wan, but... But that's not, this is not Obi-Wan. This yeah. is not, an, this, is, yeah. this is not on the same level of its Obi-Wan mm-hmm. show. Yeah. So, I respect if they would decide not to mm-hmm. put Vader, Leia, or even the emperor in there. I think I think the emperor would make sense. Mm-hmm. Tonally, I think the emperor may, would make sense because we see, we hear him, mm-hmm. where we hear his name in there. Yeah, he's mentioned. He's mentioned. He is a key part. Like he's making the decisions mm-hmm. that ultimately start the f- downfall of the empire. He is the Senate. He is. <laughs> he is the like he is the empire. Like obviously uh-huh. you've got the small people, but like he is making all the decisions. He's overthrowing the Senate. Like he is everything that we know about the empire is the emperor. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be super awesome to see what it, what is the impact that Andor and the rebellion has on the emperor. Mm-hmm. And then we, Ian McDiarmid throw him in there. Like yeah, I think yeah. that would be. I think it'd be cool. Sweet. <laughs> Not not as a focus. Mm-hmm. I just want him in like an episode or two. Right. Just some like Mon Mothma-ish moment, mm-hmm. you know? Like just some sort of like, ah, moment. Yeah. Where it's like, oh my gosh, oh, these are serious. Like that really be... heavy, like scary, almost mm-hmm. like, is she going to get found out? Does he know what to Oh, I didn't even think about that. I think that would be a huge tie-in if like there is a Senate session where you do see Palpatine and it is a like head-to-head from Mon Mothma to Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool. Ooh, I really love that idea. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be sweet. Just imagine, like I would just be so stressed mm-hmm. watching that and just seeing... <laughs> Uh, just the obliviousness of the emperor and who is actually funding the rebellion, Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? How does Mon hold herself and carry herself through that interaction? Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Now I'm ex- and I, I want to see this now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fan theories. If it doesn't happen, we got to do some fan fictions or something. Question for you. Are, yeah. are there any Rebels characters that you want to see? So I think that, that time frame lines up quite yeah. well. Yeah. So we see Rebels that is taking place around the same time, Ezra mm-hmm. and Kanan. I think in season one, they took down their first Inquisitor in the same year. I think there are some clear tie-ins there. Hmm. I mean, if we could see Kanan, that would be sweet. Like mm-hmm. that would be awesome. And Hera too. But I would be a little bit more hesitant to see Hera because Hera is such a force to be yeah. reckoned with in Rebels. That I'm like, maybe don't make her live action. Like I just, I don't, actually don't even want to see it. Like I just, I, I would love it if like 
there's a group of rebels or something in the background mm-hmm. of like Coruscant and we see Chopper. Hmm. Like it, they're there. <gasps> oh, that would be sweet. But they yeah. aren't there. Yeah. The way that Andor handles cameos is so subtle and it's so like they don't, they aren't like, I think when, when Mandalorian has a cameo or something like that, it's the set piece. It's like everything pauses, camera goes to the cameo person and boom, <laughs> it's there. How Tony Gilroy and Andor likes to do it is they'll just have like, the, you don't have those moments. Mm-mm. You have to like pause it frame by frame or it's just so like, yep, this is the guy. Everyone already knows him. It's not like, oh my gosh, you're him. Like they do with um, Yularen. Yularen is a character that we've seen in the Clone Wars. We've seen in the Rebels show. Like we see him in all of these key moments. But... I totally missed it. We didn't, like, you had to have watched it with, like, subtitles on Mm -hmm. to understand, to know that was even him. Yeah. Like, unless, I mean, keen-eyed fans were like, okay, yeah, and then you watch it again, and you're like, oh my gosh, I watched it with subtitles on this time, and that's who that is. Mm -hmm. It's not a very, it's never like, boom, it's this guy. Pam, bam, bam. Right. It's... Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's just that's just another imperial officer. Yeah, it's guy. just a natural flow of like this is what would actually happen. Mm-hmm. So why are we surprised that he's yeah. here? Like it's just that natural, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. So it's cool. It's cool to see. It's kind of like how they do it. Obviously, not to as a degree as Andor does, but in Mandalorian, when a, a key character shows up when Din Djarin is in a scene with like these iconic characters obviously not when they're introduced because when it's introduced it's like this ah at least for season two Mm -hmm. but usually like in at least in season one anytime there's like a iconic character Din is just like who are you (laughs) like he acts super nonchalant about it yeah that's what I love like I don't want it to be yeah you see this guy yeah he's from that one thing wow look at this guy Uh Yeah, so that that's really I, I really like that. And I, I love the idea of Mon Mothma and Palpatine. I'd love to see some more like subtle stuff with rebels mm-hmm. thrown in there. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Cal Castus. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey man, yeah. they have Gears of War director guy there. Writer from Gears of War. They have all of all of the references of Star Wars video games in this show. I mean, there are tons. There's like a dozen different references from video games in Andor. I would love it mm-hmm. if they do take the time and he, Cal Castus, is put into Andor. Yeah. Are you going to scream if he is? I would. <laughs> I may pass out. Yeah. I would cry and then pass out if Cal Castus is in Andor season two. <laughs> I would be the happiest man on the earth. My boy Cal it has a sweet spot in my heart. I love his character. I love Fallen Order. I'm really excited to see where they go with the second game, Survivor. Mm-hmm. And I think next year, I think uh, Andor Season 2 comes out next year. Mm-hmm. It would be, I think, November of next year, that thereabouts. Similar time of when Season 1 launched. and Or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what time frame that they want to do. But they did take some time. I think it was like two to three years before Andor started and then when it ultimately released Cal Kestis in Jedi Survivor Jedi Survivor comes out in March of 2023 and then we see him fleshed out super serious Mm -hmm. 
you, you see some of the key aspects maybe from the rebellion, see what he's doing in the Star Wars universe there. Then he gets tied into Andor story. Mm-hmm. What, is he lo- what does it look like for a, an ex-Jedi to interact with the rebellion? I think it would be cool. Or maybe they just cross paths and right. Cal Kestis saves Andor. Like maybe there's a passing moment like that. Like there is a moment. Maybe. Like it doesn't have to be he's a continuing part of season two. But maybe there's a moment kind of like how they played with it in Battlefront 2's campaign where you had like a Luke Skywalker moment. You had these, you had like a Kylo Ren vision moment. Like there are these moments within the show that expand the galaxy but they don't necessarily break any continuity. They don't make it all about the Jedi, because I think that's what Andor is ultimately about. It's not about the Jedi. It's about the real people making the rebellion work. Luke Skywalker, yes, he blows up the Death Star, but all of the people that did the research to find and really plan out the strategy needed to blow up the Death Star. All of the people that, like Mon Mothma getting the funds for the rebellion, Bell Organa working on the Senate side with Mon Mothma. You have Luthen Rell, who is working behind the scenes to gather all these resources and people and making these strategies. You have all of these stories that are within Andor. And it just so happens that the Jedi are a piece of it. Obviously, they are a big piece, but they are not the whole picture. Yeah, definitely. They are kind of a small piece, if you really look at it. Honestly, yeah, Mm -hmm. they are. Yeah, (laughs) and Edward makes that very clear. Like, Mm -hmm. this was about everyone deciding where they would draw the line in the sand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and like the whole part of there aren't many Jedi out there. Mm -mm. There really aren't. Especially real Jedi. I'm using quotation marks here. Real Jedi. There aren't really real Jedi out there. Mm. They don't have like the training. Like you have Yoda who's way out in the boonies somewhere being really weird and eating frogs and stuff. Being a loner. Yeah. So you have him that just like gave up on, on the Jedi and went off on his own. You have Luke who wants to learn all these things. Ultimately becomes a Jedi Knight. You have, I mean, that's about it. Honestly, from the movie side of things, obviously, we have a lot more expansion in like the books, the comics, and and the games for sure with Cal Kestis and and, and Seer. And Ahsoka's out there somewhere. Ahsoka as well. (laughs) 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 Which still blows my mind, but time travel is stupid and Dave Filoni will make a a way for her to survive anything (laughs) to just live forever. Yeah, We're going to be on like... Year 700 ABY and Ahsoka has somehow gotten into another time loop and has traveled even further into Star Wars' future. <laughs> she is immortal. She in is fact. immortal. Yes, she has found she's transcended the Force energy and has become one with the Force and can go in between the Force realm and the real life. Basically, that's what it seems like. Yeah, at it least. does feel like that. <laughs> Another thing I want to hear, too, is we're talking about all these different characters that we want to see, but what characters do you want to see in Star Wars and or season two? Who do you think could show up? Who from Rebels? Who from like an obscure comic series do you think could show up? I I think there's a lot there. There's a lot they could go with, especially now that they've opened up the, the bandwagon and they've opened yeah, up the they floodgates. Yeah, they're not above it at all. They'll, they'll put in whoever they think 
is going to fit now. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it could be anyone, but I think we're going to see some really deep dives and like mm-hmm. deep cuts of like, oh my gosh, it's that person that was in the background of episode three of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've given us some pretty good Easter eggs that mm-hmm. are fairly obscure. Yeah. So I'm, I think they'll do it. I think so too. But let us know your thoughts in the comments or contact at uplinkpodcast.com on email or at Star Wars Uplink, uh, wherever you find people online socially. <laughs> and now we're going to cut to Escathon to break into some lore from Star Wars. So stay tuned for that. going to be good. Who was the Sith Darth Malgus? Born on the planet Dromit Kast, Darth Malgus went by the name Vera Dunn while he lived with his adoptive father. Together, he and his father took care of animals as zookeepers. However, Veradun was notably strong in the Force, and thus his father pushed him to train with different instructors, in hope of having him grow even stronger. They saw a prominent potential in Veradun, and even his adoptive father recognized that he could be a great warrior and asset to the Sith Empire. At one point, a female Twi'lek servant crossed the line in the father's household, resulting in Veradun killing her without mercy, to prove to himself that he could take a life. Over time, they realized that the training he received wasn't enough to satisfy, so Veridun took the next step to further his skills and joined the Sith Academy. As he progressed through the Academy, he proclaimed the name of Darth Malgus and eventually became the apprentice of a Sith pureblood called Darth Vindican. As expected in most relationships between master and apprentice, Malgus was taught a great deal about the dark side of the Force by Vindican and grew extremely powerful. Malgus traveled to the planet Geonosis where he found a younger Twi'lek slave who her master had heavily abused. Her name was Alina Darn. Malgus killed the abusive enslaver in a fury and decided to take Alina with him to become a servant. She continued to assist Malgus and over time, both started to grow deep and sincere feelings for each other, eventually to the point of romantic desire. Before the Battle of Korriban, Darth Malgus killed his master after he was severely wounded by a Jedi who they had previously fought. Without any master to follow, he began chasing his path, with a life determination to kill every remaining Jedi in the Order. However, after the attack known as the Sacking of Coruscant, where the Sith Empire took control over the planet, Malgus wanted to complete the initial intention of the mission, to wipe out the Jedi. But the mighty Sith Emperor had other political plans which prevented Malgus from completing his task. In a continuous line of letdowns and hardships, including choosing to kill Elena Daru, Malgus became so frustrated with the Sith Empire and the Sith Emperor that he dismissed the entire order and went rogue. Eventually, Darth Malgus created his own standing order and self-proclaimed himself as the Emperor, with many followers behind him. But his reign as Emperor did not last for long, as after a convoluted mission, Malgus was believed to be dead, and his empire slowly faded away. However, it didn't take long before Malgus returned. With everything lost behind him, Darth Malgus continued his ambition of laying ruin upon the Jedi and the Sith Order, which he saw as inherently flawed. But with limited resources and allies, he often kept to himself while roaming the galaxy. Darth Malgus proved to be a powerful human being and could be considered one of the strongest dark side individuals who had ever lived. And although he would eventually find himself captured, his rage never ended. There is so much lore within Star Wars. There's so many different pieces within it. And I I really enjoy the deep dives. We did so many different short videos on the channel that you can check out on the shorts feed. 
around the different lore pieces within Star Wars. And I, I really enjoy some of the deep dives that we've been going to on there. So make sure to check out our YouTube channel for the full clips there and to see even more deep dives into the lore and as we like weave it into the podcast i think it's mm-hmm. i'm really excited about it yeah but with that thank you so much for listening to this episode of star wars uplink you can find us wherever you find podcast youtube check out the youtube channel for all of the details deep dives lore shorts clips the podcast with the video side of things definitely check it out we're putting a lot of effort into that and we'd really appreciate it if you go over there and subscribe click like all the things. You can also listen to us wherever you find podcasts on the podcast player of your choice. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud even. You can find us wherever you find podcasts. You can start one place, finish in another. You can find us wherever you want to follow us at Star Wars Uplink on all the platforms. Instagram, Twitter, Hive Now, TikTok, all the places you can check us out there. Tag us, give us feedback. We'd love to hear your theories. If you're like, yeah, social media is not my thing, but I do want to get in contact with you guys and give you my ultimate theory on why Snoke is actually an Andor and all of the gritty details, contact at uplinkpodcast.com is the place to go for that. We'd love to hear your theories and thoughts and deep dives on that side of things. It, it it really, it really, I really enjoy it when we get to read those comments and see those theories. It, it makes my heart happy when we check those out in the comments section. But with that, thank you so much for listening. And as always, may the Force be with you. <laughs>